This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. <coughs> no, it, it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Podcast on Fire 196 on Armor of God and Armor of God 2 Operation Condor. It's a Jackie Chan review double bill focusing on the continually evolving nature to his action films uh, where Indiana Jones style adventure to a degree took set the stage in these two related films. So the first film, as many of you know, but we'll chat about it anyway, almost cost Jackie Chan's life. More on that with me, Kenny B, and Eastern film fans, Phil G. So say bye, buddy. Bye. Say hi. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm doing this by my <laughs> own. A, I've only just got here and you want me to go already. I can't believe I'm the, it. I'm the Hitler I'm of this not... network. I'm doing it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for having me anyway, and uh, goodbye. Yes, no, <laughs> good morning. Hello. Well, good morning. It is, uh, it is like too early in the morning. It's like 11.30 a.m. in Sweden. It's Sweden. It's way too early, man. And it's 10.30 in the UK for you uh, UK people. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're a bit slow here on the on POF HQ, but uh, nonetheless, uh, right on. We'll chat with you about uh, what's been going on in the world of uh, the wacky world of Eastern Film Fans, uh, .co.uk in a little bit. But uh, we'll do the contact information, and then I'll let you have the floor. And after that, we'll start reviewing these movies. So this is Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire network. Our website is podcastonfire.com. You'll find this show that focuses on Hong Kong cinema, known but classic or not, depending on the view you are. And we have shows on Japanese cinema, Korean cinema, and sleazy cinema as well. And we do bonus episodes every now and again, so check them out as well. If you have any questions or feedback, email us at podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, our page there where we post our episodes. So you can leave a like, facebook.com forward slash POF network. And also we have some uh, good old chat in the discussion group that is called Podcast on Fire Network. And that is how you'll find us if you search for us. We also have a Twitter account. Uh, the account is called at Podcast on Fire. I do reviews on various Hong Kong cinema, Taiwanese cinema, those are wacky Godfrey Ho ninja pictures with Richard Harrison and various other genres at SoGoodReviews.com and I video review at SleazyKVideo.com and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Podcast on Fire is available on iTunes and if you're an avid iTunes user, rate and subscribe uh, Click the little star rating uh, to leave a like. That would very much be appreciated. And if you have the time, please leave a sentence or two about the show as well. What you thought. We would love to see some more reviews up there. And if you don't want to download podcasts to your preferred device, you can use the streaming option that is called Stitcher Radio. They have an online where presence, but the smoothest way to stream the various Podcast on Fire Network shows is through their application available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. 
Head over to feel what's been going on over at easternfilmfans.co.uk during this uh, relatively uh, newish, uh, like newish in terms, newish in terms of it has only been four months of 2015. So what's been going on so far? Yeah, I suppose because um, obviously this time last year, well, a week ago, obviously I was in China meeting Jackie Chan. So it's a bit of a calm down a year later not to be in, you know. China and Shanghai and meeting Jackie Chan. But I will say um, the highlights so far, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on set for a Dean Meadows film, um, Scarlet Cross, the Assassin anthology, uh, which is like a cross between like the old Hong Kong martial arts movies and European like exportation and horror kind of thing. So be right up kind of everybody's street, really, that loves kind of podcast movies, horror, that kind of thing. And I was actually on set. I did an on-set report. It was... Um, they filmed out of Birmingham, which was great. So I popped down, popped down there. Um, there's a review on my site, an on-site, uh, on-set review report on uh, Scarlet Cross. Dean Meadows, like I say, directing. Um, it's going to be like four films. The first one's going online, I think, and then they're going to do a, a feature-length movie. It, it, it looks like he's got some, you know, some crazy ideas. Um, and, and it was just good to see, you know, how production works. You know, how the actors and actresses um, get involved and just be on set and see how it all works, etc. It gave me a new insight into kind of filmmaking. So it was a big kudos to Dean Meadows who's working on that, who let me come down and, and do an on-set report. And you can catch that at easternfilmfans.co.uk. Online now, the report's there, um, some groovy pictures. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was exciting. Right on. Like, uh, the, I, I suppose a difference in sets, uh, you know, this being a lower-budgeted production and uh, versus a big-budget production, the, the set feel would be different. But I, I guess you notice that maybe... The cast and crew were a bit more, I don't know, close-knit because it is a smaller production and everybody's there to help out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was helping out, you know, moving things around so they could get the set ready and, you know, lighting candles. That was my bit. If it's in the film and the candles are in the background in the scene they were shooting, that that's my bit. I did that. Yes, that was me. But, yeah, really close-knit. It was a lot of fun, I have to say. Like I say, it's, you know, for the budget they've got, but working together, Kat and... um Maria, that were there, you know, the utmost professionals, you know, uh, George, that the people that were there, the actors, like I say, utmost professional when they start. But I mean, we had a crazy time, obviously, because you had to. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening before they actually shoot, obviously. But you know, morale was high, and it was it was good to see, you know, to be on set and do something like that was uh, was an eye opener for me. So I really enjoyed that. So kudos to Dean Meadows and the team for uh, letting me come along and. Uh, and shoot, take pictures, and just generally try not to get in the way, really. But um, it was very good. And I got sand bots off them as well, so there's a few uh, there's a few interviews on there. But it, that was that was cracking. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, can understand the you know the pressures on. You've got to shoot. You've only got a certain time frame as well because you know you you hire these places out, etc. So you've only got so many hours, and they had about six hours, you know. And I was there for a fair few hours, and then they have to shoot it you know, run through first and then shoot it, you know. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, they still have to go back and, and do some more. So, you know, six hours for, you know, probably a very small shot, a 10, 15-minute shot, you know, it's going to take six hours, all the setup and everything else. It was it was a good experience. It was good to see, uh, like I say, almost uh, professional, but um, they, were, they were a good bunch. So I'm looking forward to seeing the final product uh, and what that looks like and uh, exciting things to come from uh, Dean Meadows and, uh, and the team. Uh, all right, let's uh, take a... 
podcast promo break for about 30 seconds or so, and after that we'll be back to discuss Armor of God from 1987, the one that almost cost Jackie Chan's life, and we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, what actually happened on set over there in former Yugoslavia. So sit tight, and we'll be right back. Smithy, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute. What are you doing, Trev? I need fuel. Go ahead, quick, get in the car. Oh, no, 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 no. I just got a new copy of Evil Dead. And I'm watching that tonight. We'll bring it along. It concerns that too. Wait, 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 wait. What happens to us in the future? No, 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 no. no. Both you and your Evil Dead collection turn out fine. As your kids, Smith, someone's got to be done about our kids. They team up and do their own movie podcast. They hate Evil Dead and Back to the Future. We'll have to show them how a funny and informative podcast is really done. Well, Trev, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Listen to Mass Movies at UK. Available every Sunday by iTunes, Stitcher, and all good podcast outlets. Your jacket is not dry. Welcome back, and let's start the Armor of God saga that I think has reached officially free movies. I think Chinese Zodiac is like another Asian Hawk or Condor adventure, right? Or was it just another adventure movie? I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, because um, everyone ca- kind of forgot Chinese Zodiac very, yeah. very quickly. It wasn't very liked. Uh, so some good reviews, but not as many good reviews as these two. But th- these two are definitely connected. And uh, we'll talk uh, the plot of the first one. And it's from the Love HK film review of the film. Jackie Chan is the Asian hawk, a modern Indiana Jones-type adventurer. He's called into service to find the armor of God, a set of armor that was supposedly used by some deity. His incentive is the kidnapping and ransoming of his ex-girlfriend Laura, played by Rosamund Kwan. However, Alan Tam's Alan, is, we're in that period of Hong Kong cinema where, what are we going to call you? Alan, that'll be good. You know, Andy Lau is in the movie, what are we going to call him? Andy, that'll be good. So, it, it's easy for stupid people like me. <laughs> like, ah, I can associate stuff now. Uh, but anyway, however, Alan Tam's Alan is Rosamund's current flame and Jackie's ex-partner in their pop group, The Losers, which is an in-joke on the winners of Alan Tam's former pop group with Kenny B, not me. And uh, with Alan in tow, Jackie heads to Europe in search of the armor. Then they fight many people. That's the end of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not unfair at all. Yeah. It's not unfair at all. You nailed it. What more can you add? You nailed it. Right on. Let's uh, do a short opinions uh, first. So, Phil, the floor's yours. In short, what do you think of Armor of God? Yeah, I mean, Armor of God, like you say, it's very uh, Indiana Jones style. I think when we first come out, uh, it, it was something different i guess when i when i first saw it and i thought you know well i loved it i mean obviously the action sequences that's what you're there for the stunts you know the final fight sequence that that's what it's all about i think years on when you look at it again obviously it kind of wanes in the middle as they do these movies and you just really want to rush to the end and and get there and i'm sure we'll have opinions on uh alan tam uh team tam or not uh, uh you not. know not. We'll, we'll get into that we'll get into that i'm sure but 
you know, I, I've got a special place in my heart for for Arm of God, um, just because it, it it brings back fun memories of Jackie Chan at his his peak. Um, well, almost at his peak, shall we say. Exactly, I, I agree with that. And, uh, he, while it registered as a lasting memory, thanks to the action set pieces, um, that eventually dominates the film. It takes a while. Pretty much everything in between is kind of unstandard, is kind of standard, and sometimes even unwatchable. And I blame Alan Tam. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Not a team... Sam fan. No, not on this one. No, not at all. It's essentially the last blood only, I think. Uh, I can't remember any other good movie with Alan Tam. It's a shame, though, because even like uh, a movie like The Age of Miracles, which is later in his career, I, I, and it's more of an acting movie, it's a drama, I'd, I'd, I'd hope that his um, you know, older looks and kind of uh, experience in the industry would have made his kind of charisma and presence elevate but it never really happened to be honest um but uh, you know i i i I don't sit there and like fast forward through scenes involving alan tam and disown a movie or anything and i I gotta tell you though i don't i'm I'm not sure i ever said this firmly on this show his early taiwanese work because he did a fair amount of movies in the early 80s in taiwan they're rather good actually um he's 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 in a movie called uh well the original title is girl with a gun it's mostly known as fury in red when it was distributed in English by IFD, and it's the uh, like shot-for-shot remake of Miss 45 by uh, Taiwan's uh, Richard Chen. But it's really an effective little movie. And I, Alan Tam is not the lead. He plays like the lead character's boss in the sewing company. If you remember Miss 45, she worked at this uh, sewing company that made dress- dresses and what have you. So he plays the boss of her. And he's, he's fine. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he doesn't stand out, but doesn't like uh, disrupt matters like he does here. Yeah, I, I think that's what that, that's what it is with Alan Tam. I mean, I remember Alan Tam in movies, but I never really remember him standing out. It's like uh, one of my favourite 80s films is The Dragon Family, Andy Lau, Alan Tam. And I remember him being in it, but I can't I can't remember him, the character or, or whatever he played. I, I just know he was in the film because, you know, he never really he never really stood out in anything that I watched. So, yeah. To, to be fair, it's, a, it's an ensemble piece, though. It, it, it's, it's not a lead role, so I, I don't know if... Uh, if Max Mock and Andy Lau were like had larger screen time compared to Alan Tan, but I I like that movie in general. Dragon Family got some good stuff there. Uh, the uh, I got a question for you. The, the, this shows you know Jackie's uh, the eighties does uh, and this movie Jackie evolving from kung fu into making stunt heavy action and going high concept with this being an adventure movie. And the, that happened as the 80s rolled along. So do you like this involvement or do you prefer a, a particular type of Jackie only like you? I only like the Kung Fu stuff. Or do, or do you think like this is uh, perfectly fine and even excellent uh, like uh, development? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because everybody loves Jackie Chan for his, his, his comedy Kung Fu. And yet I still love Jackie Chan in the hard, well, the, let's say hardcore because he hasn't done many of them. But like, you know. Heart of the Dragon, crime story, when he's got that edge to him. You know, I, I think he was unappreciated. I think he just he, he didn't fall into the comedy kung fu because that's, that's what he does and he's renowned for and stuff. But he always had that. He's always been able to act. I just think it was disguised in the comedy. And he's brilliant at it, etc. But, you know, I, I just love when it gets a little bit more hardcore. But I like my movies that way. But, I mean, Jackie Chan, it, don't get me wrong, you know, for comedy kung fu, he is the king of that, and, and he does it so well. And, and, you know, hats off to him. Uh, I just like it with a bit more edge. 
I'm happy to hear you say that because it is very underappreciated. Uh, crime story, a little bit more appreciated. Heart of the Dragon. I rarely hear people speak of Heart of the Dragon. I saw it for the first time last year. And I got to tell you, I was so impressed and yeah. also blown away about how genuinely dark and violent it was. Uh, like, uh, cruelly violent. This is people killing people like uh, with uh, like <laughs> boiling blood in her fucking veins man and it was not yeah. it was not this pasted on image like oh cute jackie chan and samo does a little bit of darkness no it really fit well it was really good exactly i mean you've got i mean we'll, we'll, we'll delve into it now i guess but you know there is a scene in in armor gun that that is armor gun that is quite brutal that the massacre you know, there's a there's a shot there that is you know brutal that puts you on edge and goes, oh my god, this could this could go another way, and then obviously you know, Team Tam spoils it all with his goofiness, and they you know go back to comedy. But you know, there are moments, and there were less as his career progressed, I guess. You know, that were you know quite bloody and violent and brutal. You know, shots in movies that you know uh, you you don't really see, or you you never really saw as his career like furthered, I guess. But but for me, I actually admire the streak, the evolving streak, because no one can, no true creator can stand being in the same, like being slotted into the same thing all the time. I'm sure the Kung Fu comedy was something he was inspired doing up to a point. And then he changed his tack, and then he changed his tack, and it's like a strong streak. Yeah, he wanted to elevate himself in the cinema he was working in, obviously Hong Kong cinema. And the streak is really amazing going from early Kung Fu days up until these uh, high-concept, stunt-heavy and fairly fight-heavy movies. And uh, I don't dislike anything, truly. I mean, if I dislike anything, it's the initial steps into Kung Fu comedy where... He was more steered by the powers uh, of uh, Lo Wei before he started directing himself. Like there, there, there's some excruciatingly bad stuff before Jackie finally like find the touch. Like from Fearless Hyena and forward, then it really worked uh, as such. It, it was, speaking of, by the way, I just thought of it underappreciated dark movies. Like, did, did you ever see Dragon Fist? Yes. I love that really movie. Really like that movie. Like uh, uh, short for a low way movie, and like su- like gloomy and dark for a kung fu movie. Really, really good. So uh, it's it's nice to see him uh, dip his toe into that. Uh, but uh, the, the streak is amazing, and uh, and uh, the 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 80s showed like him uh, steering his own fate and uh, doing something that no one really could top. I think. I mean, he was uh, all people tried, but Jackie. Being such a daredevil, for instance, it was hard to follow that and better that, I suppose. So good on him. Yeah, no, sorry, I was just going to just drop in. Obviously, the 80s is probably where my heart lies because if you see his body of work that's out of the 80s and the movies are just, you know, and if people haven't picked up a Jackie Chan film, um, then just look to the 80s and, and pick one and, and you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to pick, you know, a, a bad movie out of those. The the thing is, leading up to the accident, uh, reportedly Eric Tsang, little Eric Tsang, directed the location shoot in former Yugoslavia. Uh, the movie was actually shot, uh, aside from this, in Austria, in France, and Spain as well. So you you got these elegant surroundings to the movie, and uh, that no that Hong Kong quickies could not replicate. And obviously, this is not the Hong Kong quickie a la my lucky stars, where everybody's goofing off and then there's action. But uh, rather, this was like Golden Harvest and Jackie and Golden Way, I suppose, trying to elevate themselves. And it looks elegant. And uh, it has some... 
it has some comedy in here. It's a light, it's a light Indiana Jones adventure. And, uh, but then uh, disaster struck in uh, Yugoslavia. And, uh, when, uh, Jackie returned, uh, from his injury, Eric Sang was not available anymore, presumably. He was a working actor and director. So Jackie took over after he came back from his injury. And, you know, if you don't know Eric Sang, you should look into him because he's a, incredibly important factor in Hong Kong cinema. He's been a uh, leading development and elevation of Hong Kong cinema as well. Uh, you know, one example being, and I think that it's a fair assumption that it, he was picked because of his uh, skill in providing high-concept movies. He directed Aces Go Places 1 and 2, which were very yeah, unusual action movies uh, for Hong Kong cinema, where the technical execution was totally impressive. And uh, he, he left the series after those uh, two uh, installments. And I think he directed the best installment for my money, where Faces Go Places 2 has some really good special effects, and it's uh, all good fun. But uh, yeah, Jackie, after his injury, returned to solo direct, presumably. But... Uh, Phil, describe, I'll be, le- I'll be leading up to this, people know about it, some people may not, to describe what happens in the film and what, uh, why this almost cost Jackie Chan's life. So, because I'm sure this scene is, is pretty unforgettable. Well, well, the scene in the movie, you wouldn't, you wouldn't spot that. Aha, there's the accident, but you see it in the outtakes, what happens. So what happened, Phil? Yeah, because it, it, it's one of those, and you, you do see it in the outtakes, but obviously it's a scene where, well, in actual fact, he, he shot it twice because the first time he did it perfectly, and then Jackie Chan, being the perfectionist, I guess, decided he was going to shoot the same scene again, but when he shot it again, this time um, the branch uh, broke um, and he fell. No, he, he he's, a, he's on a stone wall and jumps from a stone wall to a tree. That's the stunt. And he, do, and he does, of all these stunts in its Antarmus, the, the tree branch snaps and he falls and he obviously hits his head on a rock, which was, which was the, the problem, obviously, cracking his skull. But he put, it forced um, a piece of bone um, into his brain, so he had to have surgery. So he's got this uh, hole in the back of his uh, head. And I think if you watch the... I think it was on Jonathan Ross, Incredibly Strange Show or something, he was, he was poking the back of his head. So slight... Hearing loss, but um, it's on the it's on the end of arm of God, so you know people can watch it and see what happened. But it's uh, yeah, it was it was one of the most uh, well life threatening. I guess it, it certainly wasn't pleasant for him. It didn't look a lot when he's lying there and he's coherent and everything, but obviously you know that was uh, a big uh, a big stunt gone wrong. Yeah, his dad is on the set as well. As you can see, his dad there seeing his son take that awful fall. And uh, the cameras are, are there. I always thought, like, the, the cameras are there even post-accident and shooting this. I always thought, like, someone, maybe Jackie himself, must have insisted that keep on rolling. Because even if bad stuff happens, you know, I won't blame you for shooting it. But keep on rolling because we'll good you will get good stuff for the outtakes and uh, <laughs> and and they included it in the film it was not like this was included under the radar and jackie hey hey hey, that was me almost dying no i'm sure he had uh, the self-awareness to like uh, yeah it's okay i mean i did survive and it was horrible but uh it adds that bit to the films and have you seen that seen that jackie chan from we almost dies what's that in your arm oh, god and you see the you know it adds to the whole you know, film itself as well. And I mean, fair play for him leaving that, you know, on, I'm sure, you know, Hollywood actors today wouldn't be like leaving, you know, their stunts went wrong. And not that Hollywood actors do their own stunts. Let's face it, the stuntmen, bless them, that they do all that good stuff to make the people look good. You know, they're not on the ends, you know, with their cuts, bruises, breaks and all that. So, you know, fair play to Jackie for, for leaving that in. But it, it adds to the, 
you know, it adds to the the myth, and it, it's not really a myth, the truth, but people want to see the film because of that stunt, that that's you know, arm of God where Jackie nearly died. That's that's the tagline, really. But looking at like the footage itself, it, the uh, the accident in the sequel looks worse. You know, when the chain snaps, uh, because you can see it looks like he's hurting so much, man. And when they pull out that mattress and put him put him there, but apparently he wasn't. Uh, he didn't need surgery for that. Maybe he just. Uh, you know, he got the wind knocked out of him or something, maybe. But uh, do you remember hearing how long the production went down for Arm of God? I mean, he he has short hair in the beginning, and then when the when the footage resumes, because this is in the beginning, he has his kind of trademark long hair again. So, so I'm thinking maybe half a year at most. Yeah, it must be. It must be at least. Yeah, it must be six months plus. Must be. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I just obviously the other thing. Obviously, he has obviously long hair after that, and he thought it was. You know, he didn't have his hair short again for, what, 20 years, I think, because he just thought it was bad luck if he cut his hair. I think that was the, well, that was the rumour had it, that he wouldn't cut his hair again that short because he thought it brought him bad luck, so he always kept it long. Because you never see him, Jackie Chan, with, with the short hair again after that until, obviously, his later moves, I think. Watch out, possibly. It, it, it looks good, though. I like that look. I was, uh, I was yeah, looking yeah. forward to the short-haired Jackie, like, um, but uh, we never got it as such. Exactly. The sequence after, you can see when he's coming down the hill. Obviously, they shaved the side of his head so it looked a little bit like he'd still got short hair, but clearly he hadn't because it was still like a mop on top of his head. So, yeah, bless him. I wonder, I'll throw this out to you and our listeners, the stunt that's in the film, the completed stunt where he jumps from the wall and onto the branch, if that is the first take or someone else subsequently doing it. Uh, Because I just have a slight feeling Jackie did not want to redo it again himself no i no. think so i think it's i think it's the first take i don't yeah i probably wouldn't want to do it himself um but i think it, if we look at it again it is the it must be the first take but, yeah. right on. and we mentioned indiana jones but this is possibly an influence i mean the timeline fits but it, jackie never did in my head as far as i remember xerox versions of other properties as such so it's an adventure movie but not like jackie's running from a big boulder at the beginning of it and using a whip and stuff like that you know so it's 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 more of a i'm making an adventure movie and indiana jones was out yep that was good i'm making an adventure movie anyway maybe you know so it, it's not you you can't accuse him for for like uh, copying spielberg or anything no i think that's just the, the it's kind of a genre and indiana Jones movie is now like a genre of that kind of action adventure, especially for that time. So people refer to it as a Indiana Jones film, which isn't. It's an action adventure movie, but it's got that vibe to it. So, but uh, b- before I started to dislike the movie, there, there is some crazily fun, uh, inventive, quick action. You know, in the beginning again, when Jackie's facing off versus the tribesmen, uh, he steals the sword, and uh, they obviously don't like that. So there is some incredibly fun. Like when he rolls along the barrel of ash, and they are throwing the spears at him, and and after he before he has flipped, uh, he's jumped over the barrel of ash, and he's gotten some on his uh, like chest or stomach, and it hurts, so he like brushes it off. And I gotta tell you, Phil, those moments are crazily fun for me because he's so funny when he's like, ah, wah, 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 wah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and at the time, it would, well, I've, I've seen the movie many a time and stuff, and it's still, I still like the scene now. I'll probably analyse it a little bit more because you, you're watching it and you're looking for things you've not seen before. But yeah, it's those moments and stuff, and he jumps up and he throws the hot ash. And now I'm all thinking, is, how the bloody hell did he get ash down his 
down his top anyway if he was rolling along the floor. It's ridiculous, but you know, but when you watch it now, when you watch it the first time, it's like, oh, that that's good. You know, it's just that moment of moment of madness. You know, in the action adventure when he stops, he focuses on Jack and he does that what he does best that comedy. Yeah, it's not a long sequence, but man, is it uh, enjoyable. Uh, even yeah. throws in possibly, possibly a gods must be crazy reference in here because in here because he opens a can of beer and the tribesmen go ooh, and I, all I kept thinking of was the uh, coke bottle in Gods Must Be Crazy that where, where they're kind of fascinated by it because it uh, someone throws it from a plane and onto the African plains and uh, so may, maybe it's a slight reference to Gods Must Be Crazy, which is funny because uh, the star of that movie, uh, Nick Zhao did uh, like three or four Hong Kong movies subsequently, you know, Crazy Safari, Crazy Hong Kong, The Gods Must Be Crazy in China. So um, regardless if that was a reference, uh, out of all people to have a mini career in Hong Kong, uh, the Bushman from Gods Must Be Crazy had one, but it was really fun though. Uh, Crazy Safari versus uh, Lam Ching Ying, that was uh, good fun. I haven't heard uh, much uh, music from the winners, but uh, obviously the... uh, the parody of the winners uh, it, it's such a ridiculous notion but enjoyable too that Jackie Chan before he became the Asian Hawk was like a backup singer in the pa- band here that's called The Losers I, d- I think I spotted Kenny B uh, Alan Tam obviously is here and Anthony Chan is here as well so they got the lo- large parts of the band the winners for this sequence that would probably be lost on most western viewers but it's it's pretty enjoyable where they go L O V love <laughs> and Alan Tam there in his uh, phony wig and uh, I love the little choreography where they step to one side, step to the other side, and even the keyboard player has to do the same choreography as the rest of the band, <laughs> which is which is details only a stupid man like me uh, find enjoyable possibly, but it, it is uh, rather enjoyable to uh, d- d- this super broad side to the movie all of a sudden he was in a band as well and they were called the losers yeah it's a parody of the winners ha 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 but, but they are it's pretty pretty damn enjoyable uh do, do, do you find that stuff excruciating or it's it's enjoyable because it's so it stands out you know it's a set it's like a it's a period set piece in the middle of the movie yeah i think uh it's one of those when you when you look back on it i think at the time it's kind of uh excruciating but then i think you know after several viewings you you kind of get the the parody and then you understand behind it probably for uk you know people that wouldn't get the 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 in joke there at all so you know when you know a little bit more about the movie obviously you you appreciate uh why it's there and, and what's happening so um yeah much appreciated now but then it, it kind of it flips doesn't it going forward from from the the oh so funny and comical music to the uh ominous midnight rider and alan tam music video yeah they I mean they they he was a pop star they were sure as hell gonna make sure they uh like yeah, merge the fiction with the real life here by having alan tam possibly on his actual tour appearing in this massive in the round type of um stage setup like a like a def leppard type setup from the 80s you know def leppard did that in the round tour in the 80s and uh, alan tam does it by himself <laughs> he's uh, he's all alone there <laughs> and uh, it's not it's it's an awful song but i gotta tell you Phil, it's like ten thousand percent better than the commercial pop music of today so so they are give alan tam that it's bearable to listen to oh, i i love it midnight rider i could hum that all day long midnight rider no i i just i think i love the action sequence it goes with 
I, I, it's got a touch of that. I, I don't know. It's not quite um, a John Woo style, but I, I like the the the, the massacre that, that evolves and the, and the music that's going on. I, I I don't know why. I just love the scene. It, it's a it's a pretty cool juxtaposition, of course, because it's not overly bloody, but it is like a very dark gun down during the fashion show that leads to the kidnapping of uh, Rosamund Kwan. So it's uh, it can be pretty scary if you were all of a sudden stepping out of the movie world and thinking of reality that uh, this is uh, pretty uh, realistic stuff in a way and that's uh, juxtaposed uh, with this uh, this uh, Alan Tam performance. Uh, d- during the t- trailer, by the way, the scene comes up and like t- text on the screen and, like Alan Tam snappy lyrics and uh, lo- lovely lovely music snappy lyrics or something like that they they translate the chinese uh, text on the H- hong kong legends dvd it's like okay uh-huh. if you tell me if you say so <laughs> <laughs> so there you are i i'm sure you see this movie dubbed um, every now and again throughout the years and uh, just like operation condor there is an argument here for the english dub working better than normal English dubs because this is populated with a fair amount of Western actors. So I would think that they'd try to match when they dub it in English, would try to match their original dialogue there because they, the, the Chinese version is all all Chinese. Everybody speaks Chinese, including the Westerners. So uh, I think I haven't seen the English dub, the original one. For Armor of God, but I, I think there would be a line or two that would be better synced to the performance on set, and that would make this very much bearable in English because it feels a bit more international as such. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I don't mind it though because I know Cantonese and Mandarin tracks are created this way where everybody speaks Chinese, but it's even worse in Operation Condor because there's so many people. They're speaking English and to listen to all of them speaking Cantonese throughout the movie when you have the option, possibly, of the the more better synced English dub. I prefer that in that case. But do, do, do you remember any viewing of the old English dub of Armor of God if, and, and, and if that felt like uh, well synced? Well, I used to watch all Jackie Chan's movies English dubbed. I used to, as soon as the release came, down the video shop as a kid hire the film out and everything was obviously dubbed. There was no, you know, subtitles or anything. It was always English dubbed and stuff. So it did fit this film quite well. I haven't seen the English dub for many, many years because I've got the, the Hong Kong Legends uh, DVD now. So I always watch that with subs. But um, I've still got somewhere in the loft my uh, old uh, video cassettes. I'll have to uh, dig those out and just, just watch it again. Um, dub just to uh, just to see really, but uh, yeah, because because I think the Hong Kong Legends probably produced a new dub because mm. the original export dub is shorter; it's about uh, yeah. ten minutes shorter or so. So they didn't bother to like just do new dub new dub bits, but rather they probably probably produced a whole new track for that DVD release from um, fifteen years ago. So, uh, but uh, yeah, yes, I, I I would be interested to see how that edit works, that export edit works, and to hear the dub if it matches some of the performance. Uh, quite well but the 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 thing is i, I never had a great I, I saw this when it first came out on dvd by hong kong legends but even then i never had a great like blown away memory of it other than the action Mo- there are tons of movies where i feel that way and i still regard them as very good or even classics uh, this unfortunately there is some excellent stuff here but there is a trick 
getting to the good stuff. Uh, he doesn't give us a lot of action until really the latter half of the film, really. It's not spaced out as Operation Condor spaces out the good stuff. So what we're stuck with is, partly anyway, the sort of Jackie Chan, Alan Tam double bill and unfortunately the incredibly incredible lack of chemistry between these two guys it's not very charming to see them be all goofy and have the banter be, uh, banter back and forth they don't click in my opinion so what's your opinion in general of the chemistry between the lads yeah there's not really there's not really chemistry i mean obviously good job he didn't come back for the second one but um yeah alan tam doesn't work you could you, you could have brought anybody into to goof around and, and acted better just doing the goof around but you're right if the chemistry had worked you, you, you would kind of get away with it but there was obviously no chemistry between jackie and alan for whatever reason i, I don't know maybe like i say it's just it's alan sam but you know i'm sure team tam out there will disagree but it's it's a jackie jam movie that's what you're there to see and like i say you you, you do know you fast forward to the the, the final sequence because that's what's you know, the start and the end is what Armour God's all about. Everybody will talk about <clears throat> his fall, his, you know, being hospitalised and, you know, nearly killing himself, and they'll always talk about the end of the movie. Um, and in between, we'll never get a mention, nor will Alan Tam, to be fair. And it is very fair. Because, and um, also, if if you want to look at it, they're, they're not friendly as characters. They, they have, they're, they're drifted apart because of this kind of uh, fall, fall, falling out over a girl and all of that, but that doesn't translate into like a rebound later where they get together and bury the hatchet and anything like that. But, I mean, it has decent drive because it's short and most scenes keep the issue of finding Laura, piecing together the armor of God, and it, it has decent but not mind-blowing adventure drive or anything uh, so, you know, you get there eventually, but my God, if it had been a two-hour movie or anything, then people would have talked of the whole middle section where nothing fun ha- happens. Uh, maybe except for the driving on the road and peeing on the side of the road montage. Maybe people would have <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> and falling asleep on the wheel, because that's funny. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, those those couple of sequences, you know, I'd remember those. Everything else is kind of, like, forgettable. But he's an asshole, though, Jack Chan's character. I don't know why he's such an ass to Lola Forner, who plays May in the movie from uh, Wheels on Meals, obviously. Sylvia mm. from uh, Meals on Wheels, the lovely former Miss Spain. And uh, my God, but she, she it, it's the theme of this movie, and unfortunately Operation Condor, that the women are not really well treated in this movie. I mean, he's such an asshole when he, like, he, he's eating this. I don't know what he's eating, but he's... Uh, uh, she's asking him, what is that? Uh, that, that like grey like butter or whatever? And uh, oh yeah, it's like, it, it, it's really good and it melts when you put it on a sandwich and then nom 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 nom. And she eats it and she tell, he tells Alan Tam, no, it's rotten. And she, and I made her eat it essentially. Like, what an asshole he is. <laughs> <laughs> For no apparent reason at all. Like, uh, why have a conflict with, with her? Like, who would want to have a conflict with her? But it, it's, it's me like for review purposes that's pointing out that there's some, like narrative stuff here that doesn't uh, really work, but you do forget it, and you know whenever whenever the final tally is there, and you and you think about the action. But uh, it's unfortunately you, it's up for criticism though the way he treats women in this movie it gets worse in Operation Condor. Love Operation Condor, don't like the female roles and what he did to those uh, uh, women in that movie. Should have been better. Any spontaneous notes on the um, 
motorcycle uh, motorcycle uh, chase scene uh, through the narrow steps and the fruit market and all of that uh, with the hor- horrendous looking Mitsubishi car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did like his Mitsubishi cars, didn't he? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because he has this uh, car chase in uh, Arm of God with the, the motorcycles chasing him. And then obviously Operation Condor is on a motorcycle uh, and the cars are chasing him. So reverse of the scene kind of thing. Um, it's a it's a good action scene. It's it's you know it peps your interest. There's some there's plenty of cardboard boxes around. Um, the ramps are in the right place for people to uh, to jump off of the motorcycles when you watch it. But you know if you, you you know watch it for the first time, it's a it's a decent chase and it just livens the film up somewhat. But like I say, it's again it's forgettable because you just you're just going to focus on the start and the the end of the movie it serves its purpose it, it perks things up but and it, it's not really i mean you you, you remember that that uh, horrendous looking car turns into a tiny car and they escape the escape the bad guys and the bad guys blow up and everything's great <laughs> a, a, a Clive Sinclair C5, it looks like, which was back in the 80s he uh, invented this C5 i think it was called the Sinclair um, car. Uh, it looks like one of those for you older folk out there. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it turns into one of those, which is just, you know, ri- ridiculous. They, they, they don't really focus on him being this uh, James Bond-like character either. It's all of a sudden a gadget he has that he can split the car in, uh, in, in, in half a century and then drive away on a little tiny bike, essentially, uh, with, <laughs> with Alan Tam in tow, too. So he, he didn't die in the explosion with him. With him. Like, There's only a one-seater here, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's a Jackie Chan film. You're going to get something inventive, and it's inventive, and it's different, and that's that's what you get with a Jackie Chan. There's always going to be something there that is new, that it hasn't, or it hasn't done before. You know, people copy Jackie Chan films for a reason. They probably won't copy that one, but, you know, He's known for doing something different, and it and it's something different. It doesn't set the world light, but it's something different. Yeah, it's quite low on action and stunts until that finale, yeah. which is surprising. But again, uh, you don't mind it where once that ending hit, and we will certainly talk of it uh, because it, it's like half a classic movie there for for me. Uh, like it really gets me going eventually, but in in between, it's uh, it's a bit of a trek, and that that's why I would like to watch the export edit. That's about 88 minutes or so to see if it's, it feels a little bit tighter and uh, maybe even better in English. Who, who knows? But uh, the, the, the escalating adventure isn't uh, as good as in what followed in uh, Operation Condor. And, and the character interaction, too. I mean, again, Jackie and Lola Fauna. And then when Rosamund Kwan comes back and she's uh, hypnotized by the religious cult and, uh, and starts to come on to Jackie and all of that. It's one of those. Uh, maybe it's brought the house down in Hong Kong this whole hotel scenario where they're trying to keep characters away from each other and all of a sudden boom someone's in the bed with him oh my god are you in love with her now no I'm not in love with her like it's not really inspired back and forth comedy I'll tell you who did that stuff well Choi Hak he has some great sequences in Peking Opera Blues and Shanghai Blues where people are hiding in the closets, you know, those kind of classic comedy templates where people are trying to get away from each other and sneaking behind the people's backs and what have you. Choi Hak would have, I think, uh, you know, would have had a good grip on a scene like this, but uh, it, it's it's a reason why I think uh, editing was invented uh, and uh, you, you could have shortened this scene down substantially. And, and even, like, Lola Fawner, for no reason, throws herself at Jackie Chan and... What does he say to her? I mean, 
they've been infiltrating the religious cult as prostitutes at one point. So this is after that. So when she leans in for a kiss and Jackie Chan says in the subtitles here, Oh, so you want to play a whore again? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny at all, actually. It's like, Jackie, come uh, on, dude. You're a, you're like your women. Lola Forner is throwing herself at you, man. You know, the second round of, uh, of action at the religious headquarters is, uh, is where obviously the meat of the action is. And, uh, so any spontaneous notes on, uh, highlights when they get to the last uh, 20, 30 minutes of the film? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, this is this is where it's at. I, I, I know Jackie for that final sequence. I think he used about, I think there was about nine men dressed up as women and, and six women because he, he flew the women across the world because he wanted to do something different, didn't he, with the action scene. So he wanted to bring these, you know, black women. He had this idea that, you know, that he would fight these as something different that hadn't been done before and stuff. But I, I think lots of the women kind of left during film and et cetera. It wasn't really working. He had to use some of his stunt guys, et cetera. So... Um, but the way it's coordinated and choreographed, you know, even before that, the fight sequence, you know, is running with the log and the table and the stunt man and Wayne Archer. I must have seen him got kicked and flipped and battered about six times. The, the stunts are just, it's the height, it's the kind of the pinnacle when Jackie Chan is, is so good. They're just, the, the, the cutting, the editing and the sequence itself is it's just a joy to behold it's the, it's the purpose of the film it's it's he's it's uh, he's fighting off all the monks uh, first of all with uh, this big log that's on fire as well which she flails about the place and i'm sure it was a fairly tight space so uh, playing with fire literally in that way is i'm sure is a safety concern and uh, it's got excellent snap you know back and forth choreography is really great uh, and how it mixes in with the stunts and also how the westerners are used because yes we get we got the stuntman in both wigs uh, filling in for the black women in heels later in the film but also here but i think the mixture is really great i mean you you can see some crap wigs yes but I've seen worse. I've seen writing wrongs when Sinfair Rough Rock is double, and they didn't even bother with a wig. So, I mean, I've seen it done worse. <laughs> it's just the snappiness of it. It's a snappy snap, bang, 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 bang. It doesn't let up. You just, your eyes are like, whoa, whoa. It's, 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 a, it's a, an absolute uh, annihilation of your senses in, in some respect because there's so much going on, um, like the fight sequence. It, it's what Jackie Chan is all about. It's what people, and I love Jackie Chan, for those sequences when you take the, the comedy out and he just goes for it and he's bang, bang, bang. And uh, like I say, it's it's a joy to behold, you know. If you go, uh, if you're watching the Jackie Chan movie and, oh, this is great, just, find, just fast forward to the last 20 minutes and watch it because you'll be glad you did, because that's what Oh My God is all about, and that is Jackie Chan, you know, um, at, at, at his peak, at his peak, at his best, some of his best stuff. And yeah, whoever did, uh, <clears throat> but my favorite stunt in the movie is when Jackie kicks John Ladalski's character while he's on the table, and the stuntman does a 360 lands on his knees on the table and then falls to the floor as well. 
I've got I've got John Ledesky somewhere in, in my contacts, and I keep meaning to uh, ring him and get an interview and, and speak to him. You know, I'm going to have to do it off the back of it. I should have done it before this, to be fair, and found out and see see if he'd known. But I, I need to speak to him. That would be interesting to find out. Yeah, it's it's an awesome start because it's structured. It must be structured around the fact that you gotta hit the table, end of the table, with your knees, and then fall onto the floor. And it's a marvelous looking stunt, whoever did it. I, I, John wasn't a st- trained stuntman, I'm pretty sure of that. He was uh, n- not super young either at this time. So, uh, But uh, he, he's part of the Western Westerners that are used very well here in general. I mean, Ken Boyle plays the whole... The, the religious cult leader looking uh, m- super mean with that beard and with that. he looks like a cult leader like just perfect uh, so maybe that uh, stunt took 40 takes or what have you we know J- Jackie Chan does his takes until he's satis- satisfied but I'm willing to bet his uh, trademark as a character with the whole the way he starts to chew gum bouncing gum off walls and off his off his hand and into his mouth it's obviously in the outtakes as well i'm sure he stood there for 400 takes to get that stuff right <laughs> yeah just because it's like boom, boom. you know he, he even does two gums at one point like and bouncing bouncing them off his uh, like wrist or what have you like boom, boom. okay i'm ready to continue now but there it is. Like I'm gonna stand here and get this done, no matter how long it takes. So. That's it. Yeah, one one in his eyeball, one up his nostril. I bet they're going all over the place. Uh, Even right. when he gets it right, he starts laughing. Like in the outtake, like yeah, I'm done. it right. Fuck. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm sure with the first time I watched this movie, I was trying that all the time with that gum. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm sure I probably did. It's it's not it's not as harmful to your body, I suppose. That like let's replicate that stunt where he hits his knees on the table. Let's let's replicate that stuff when he dives off a cliff onto a hot air balloon. Uh, yes, no, let's go with the uh, chewing gum instead. Good idea. Yeah, but uh, also, also, as you mentioned, the highlight with uh, Jackie versus the five uh, leather-clad uh, women, be- women beating the crap out of him with, with the high heels and what have you. And it's so inventive yeah. because they have that extra level where Jackie figures out that, ah, there's space between the between the boards there so they'll get uh, their their heels get stuck and i think that's just marvelous inventiveness that they either do at preconception stage or or when they reach the set uh, you know and uh, it, it's it despite so much doubling it stands out in a very very cool way because you never really saw that and we've never had it hinted in the movie that the religious cult has these women warriors at their disposal they just appear and why the hell not yeah absolutely exactly <clears throat> yeah why the hell not as, as jackie said he wanted something different and boy did he get something different because it just it just lights up the screen the four of them standing there and switches to jackie and he's looking at them they're looking at him and then it's ah and he starts and you're like wow what is this you know when you watch the scene you go my god this i've not seen this before this is just amazing and then they give him a white pounding and you're like my god he's getting a white kicking so um yeah it's just so inventive it's so clever and i mean the comedy clicks so much better at this point where when he uh injects the comedy within the action you know the whole the whole we won't spoil it fully but the whole scenario of threatening to blow the place up and then trying to put the fuse out of the dynamite and then it's not working and there's like multiple fuses going on at the same time like <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to put them out. It really shows that the flow of uh, the whole affair and that energy that's present there. It's really inspiring. It shows that he, he really he looks like he's uh, found like the formula for this whole 
ending, uh, you know, action versus stunts versus comedy. Exactly. And it's so worth watching. Uh, the, the entire movie isn't, I mean, Alan Tam is, uh, is here. Uh, he has some action bits. Uh, and uh, it seems like, at least when you and I speak, there's like, in a bad Alan Tam movie, there's at least one moment. That's really well. He has some great physical comedy moments or moments in Pantyhose Hero. And there's one here as well where he gets stuck in the room with all the monks and he tries to like, okay, I'm going to leave now. And he's smiling and he can't get out of the door. And well, there's something with a knife as well. It's stuck to the door and he's trying to pull that out and it's, possibly not getting it out of the door. And it's a silent, non-verbal stuff that, in that moment anyway, Alan Tam does very well because they're all laughing at him. They, they know he's not a threat to anything. They're just waiting for him to... waiting to jump him, essentially, while he's fee- in a feeble manner trying to escape that room. But then Jackie Chan comes in and saves the day. So Not fairly wasted, but... Uh, holy hell, I would love to see a Kenny B, not me, in that role instead because I think Kenny B is a way funnier actor. And uh, but they maybe was not very action prone as such. Yeah, I've mainly seen Kenny B do comedy and drama, to be honest. Um, but uh, out of the winners that I know of, uh, though, um, Kenny B, uh, Anthony Chan, and Alan Tam, it's those two that I prefer way more Anthony Chan and uh, Kenny B. But uh, that's just uh, personal uh, preference. Um, Al- Alan Tam did participate in action movies and some choreography, as re- we remember from Pantyhose Heroes, so and maybe he had that instinct, uh, you know, a little bit sharper instinct in terms of being part of the action. You know, and popular, too. So, I mean, uh, he was put in movies left and right. It might stand out, obviously, Alan Tam's sequence with his, his music video with Midnight Rider, because he's just obviously a shot of him in concert. So that was that was cool. Midnight Rider! <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's going to stay with me all day long for weeks. I'll be singing it and working all sorts. Yeah, you, you you should put a you should put up a YouTube video where you uh, do, do like a lip like a lip sync thing. Lip sync it. Yeah. Hmm, there's an idea. You can hear Phil running out of the room. Like, <laughs> Where's my microphone? Oh, I got a microphone. I got a podcast microphone. Midnight Rider. Any other notes from the movie? Uh, such uh, mine are over and done with. Yeah, mine, mine, mine are done. Like I say, watch, watch the start, watch the end, or watch Arm of God because Jackie Chan. Um, Fist and feats of fury um, for the final sequence are just worth the rental boy or anywhere else you can beg still and bow it. But uh, definitely up there is one of my favourite Jackie Chan films for the fight sequence alone. What, what, what's the entire thing? But remember, the, a good two-thirds are less uh, enjoyable. There, there is some spark there, but it is the beginning and end that has the full spark that makes it uh, a well-reviewed film, I would say. And as for availability, it's been well-represented on uh, DVD, uh, going as far back as the UK remastered version by Hong Kong Legends uh, that we mentioned, and it is what I owned. Own, rather. I haven't gotten, ri- gotten rid of it. It's been on Hong Kong DVD, packaged with Operation Condor, because... Uh, yeah, re- it was remastered by uh, Fortune Star, so they did a box set, and I think they did individual uh, set, uh, discs as well. But those editions uh, look to be out of print, and the only option in Hong Kong is the Hong Kong Blu-ray. And seeing as it's Fortune Star and uh, their distributor, Cameron Ronson, it's most likely an upscale from the DVD, which is not true high definition, and with surround remixes only, with no mono option. And as we to- talked about before, Fortune Star had not a great track record at all doing these tracks they're often 
just horrendously inappropriate in terms of uh, the new effects stand out and uh, it's it's really poorly done and it's a shame that the mono option seems to be dropped from their blu-ray releases in general so uh, bear that in mind and if you find a dvd from fortune star most likely there is a mono option on there though but they also the us blu-ray is out there it does feature new dub and music but it's reportedly a good looking hd version of the film though and I've, i don't have this on a 40 but it might be the full movie only a new dub and music despite so it wasn't i don't think that was the miramax released version of the film but again i'm i'm, I'm not too sure but the, they did release that movie miramax after operation condor uh, that came out came out theatrically in 1997 and then they had armor of god one as well but so they created massive confusion when releasing armor of god one second they called it operation condor 2 the armor of the gods so it i mean it's not impossible to keep track of but still confusing enough and uh, both version have both version have like poster art with jackie in his black t-shirt so it's like which is which i don't know <laughs> yeah well, i have heard of people watching the uh the uh second one and then watching the first one thinking it's a sequel and going that doesn't look right. <laughs> the original export edit, as mentioned, ran uh, like back in the day. We're talking like way back in the uh, before uh, DVD and all of that. It ran about 10 minutes shorter and cut out, among other things, the Losers Winners song number and some dialogue sequences between Alan Tam and Jackie. It cut out the dream sequence with Jackie Chan, uh, where he's being chased by a car and seeing like Rosamund Kwan and Alan Tam wave at him in slow motion. Uh, the whole sequence with John Ladalski trying to bed Lola Fawner when they when they're there infiltrating the uh, religious uh, headquarters, and uh, lots that was cut out, and lots of the hotel room comedy with the hypnotized Rosamund Kwan was shortened as well for international versions of the film. And, uh, based on all of that, I think as an edit, it's got it's bound to play very well, like tighter and. Uh, Less of the local flavor because the losers, winners, song number, the international audiences is not gonna understand that it's a parody. They may be laugh- laughing at the fact like ah 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 losers, based on losers is a funny word. But uh, it sounds by all accounts like a well like conceived edit of the film for international purposes because uh, because editing people is an art that is underappreciated. It it's like if you talk Miramax. I don't think the editors were wrong in their decisions, but the whole, like, new music and new dubs and all of that, and not offering up the original at all, that was the decision. If you look at the edits by, like, the picture edits, and, like, a movie like Supercop, it's not bad. But the thing is, with the new music and, like, the, especially in the case of Supercop, the new hip music, like the urban soundtrack to the Jack Chan movie, yo, that, that, that's where the crap enters, you know. So yeah, that was the availability. You can get it in some shape or form, and I'm sure most of you own it in some shape or form as well. So uh, we're not uh, bringing you a, a, a rare one that no one has seen but us. But uh, it's a very well-known movie, and a quite liked one, and uh, for for good reasons. So that's done. We After a break, we jump to 1991 and the sequel, Armor of God 2, Operation Condor. And uh, we'll see how a bigger palette, if you will, uh, plays uh, critically in our eyes. So... Uh, We'll uh, listen to a promo break again from one of our podcast friends, and we'll be back after that. The following message is a paid advertisement for The Cult of Muscle podcast. The Cult of Muscle. You're either in it or you're dead. It's the dawning of a new age. The halls of Valhalla have been shuttered. 
The heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken to capering for the amusement of the small folk, their past glories of distant memory. The barbells have been torn from their once puma-strong grips. The beards shorn from their square jaws, only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers, to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rallying cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Limson and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter the cult of muscle. Welcome back, and this is the review of Armor of God 2, Operation Condor, and plot from the, and it's from 1991, and plot from the Love HK film review of the film. Jackie Chan returns as his character from Armor of God. Chan is the Asian hawk, or Condor for short. An Indiana Jones-style-like adventurer slash mercenary who combs the globe in search of rare artifacts. In this installment, Condor finds himself on the trail of some buried Nazi gold. Aiding him are not one, but three comedy females. Uh, comedy superstar Carol Chang is the map expert who tags along. Eva Cobo de Garcia is the granddaughter of Adolf, the guy who hoarded the Nazi gold. And no, he's not that Adolf. And, and the third female is Ikeda Shoko, as a Japanese traveler who sells handmade crafts for a living. Condor's enemies are some sniveling Arab grave robbers, played by Jonathan Iskar and Dan Mintz. And one of the ex-Nazi soldiers who hid gold in the first place. So that's the plot, and this is my short opinion. Now this is more like it. Armor of God feels like a small adventure movie trying to break out, but Operation Condor makes it all happen. And it's excellent, therefore. Large, grand, hugely inventive, and a fine example of the evolving Jackie Chan style, as we talked about. And arguably... To put a bit of a downer on it, it was by 1991 he was arguably coming close to the end in terms of high points. Uh, it was good from now on, but this feels like it probably never got better in terms of this mixture of adventure, stunts, and comedy and action. It's not the most politically correct movie, but the overall balance is that it's a fine classic. So that's my short opinion. What do you think of Operation Condor Phil? I still prefer the first one. I sorry, sorry people. I know there's a lot of love out Don't there. Don't be sorry to your opinion, dude. I, no, no, I know, I know, but you know, I I I'll sit on the fence. <clears throat> But I prefer just probably because the action sequence, although the action sequences um, uh, there are more of in in the second version. And like I say, it's a, it's a big escape. It's that, that big production. And you, you're probably right. It was kind of reached the pinnacle there after kind of police story in that genre and then Armour of God 2. And then it kind of slowly drifted away for those the, those big productions and until kind of who am I, I guess. But it's good. I like the film. I like the, the big, bold production. Again, it's another Indiana Jones-style uh, kind of movie, just a, a bigger, bigger production. And uh, yeah, grander because it's now in uh, scope. You know, it's a shoot shot in full wide, 235 widescreen. The music is grand. Chris, uh, what's his fucking name? Chris Babida did the score. I always forget his name, but it's a wonderful score. It's a, like the second big go in an adventure, at an adventure film, and it, in my opinion, works really well. And it opens similarly, but uh, and there are similar scenes here compared to Armor of God, but they're executed 
just better and more bigger. You know, he steals these green diamonds or jades in the first scene. And the tribesmen say, like, ooh, go, go, go. Like, can I take it? Okay. And they're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, good. I'll take this as well. But what happens when he tries to take, uh, have a bit of a drink, Phil? Yeah, that's it. They don't like that. They're like, that's it. They're up in arms. There's no, no, you can have the precious stones, but don't touch our water. Like it leads to being chased by these tribesmen and down a hill again. But this time he doesn't uh, slide down the hill like on a shield or what have you. But what does he use to get down the hill? It's it's a load of balls, if you ask me. (laughs) It's a big, (laughs) I don't know what they're called, but it's one of those like big inflatable balls with a ball inside it so you can run around it. But they, I I don't know if it's called zorbing. I don't know why that word came into my head. It's definitely zorbing. Yeah. I've I've learned a new thing. I've learned a new thing. Yes. But it's it's a great like inventive way to open a movie. The twist is that he gets nothing out of it. Because when he's down the hill and he's all like dizzy and what have you, like all that for nothing. <laughs> Which is like Indiana Jones would have gotten something out of this, but Jackie doesn't get crap out of this stuff. <laughs> crap out of this scenario. So it's a fine way to open a movie. And I think it's not, it's not a bad thing that it replicates Armor of God in a few instances. So, so what do you think about that? Because there's a similar chase sequence. Yeah, it's a similar chase sequence. It's the, it's the reverse of Armour of God. Like I say, this time he's on a bike and the cars are chasing him, so it's reverse of that. You've got the, the opening and the closing is very much in the vein of Armour of God. And I think it's good for a sequel. You should have that kind of the same. It's the same kind of Indiana Jones, uh, but on a grander scale. And it's, uh, you know, with the Asian Hawk again, you brought the character back. So you want that kind of, that same action-adventure feel from the from the first movie. And in the second one, you get that, like we saw, on a, on a grander scale. So I think that's it's perfect. I, th- I think it looks more dangerous, this movie, compared to the first one. I'm sure the first one was dangerous. Holy hell, he almost died. But th- this one looks harrowing in certain places <laughs> as they uh, have these action scenes uh, in various locations. And that means this was shot not only in, in on a stage in Hong Kong, but in Spain, Morocco, and the Philippines. That's uh, th- That makes it... Uh, Less, it doesn't feel like a Hong Kong movie, of course, uh, being uh, out and about on uh, global locations, which is very an enjoyable feel. I think it's not like this pasted in feel, like look at us, we're international, right? It really is a natural feel for a Jackie Chan movie, in my opinion. Uh, so it looks good on a movie. That, that's my point. This has more Western actors than the first than the first one, and the actual export dub was fully uncut. It's the same length as the Hong Kong version. So I prefer this English dub because there's it's well synced with those uh, uh, Western performers like the Arabs that uh, Jonathan Iskar and Dan Mintz plays. I mean, they're, they're stereotypical dubbing voices like, we're Arabs and we're gonna get you now. But it syncs up so much better than hearing all of them in Cantonese. Uh, so I, I love this English dub and it's actually a well-performed dub to be really honest. It's uh, quite funny in spots and not like this horrid dub for like a low budget Taiwanese martial arts movie or anything it's it's it does the job quite well it's not professional like the studio that did all of those Godzilla dubs and uh good the bad and the ugly dubs and what have you it's not professional in that in in that manner but I think it's engaging and it's my preferred way of watching Operation Condor is English dubbed any thoughts on that uh, language versus language in this case? No, again, because I, I, I watch everything kind of it's subtitled, I don't try and watch kind of the original without the dub anymore. Because I, I watched all the the dubs as like I say as a, as a kid, I used to race down the video shop and get the dubbed English versions when they came out and stuff. I, I try and watch watch different versions of the movie now, and I know recently Operation Condor 
uh, came out on um, in the UK on uh, Blu-ray uh, on cut. So um, that's the that's my preferred option at the moment. But like I say, each to their own. The choreography is a bit more spread out throughout the movie, so we don't get like uh, entire stretches with just comedy or what have you. And I gotta tell you, Phil, I, I, even the tiniest bit of choreography in this one is thrilling to me. Like this whole action scene in Elsa's apartment, uh, Eva, Eva Cobo de Garcia character, where like Jackie is like twirling and rolling around with, uh, with, uh, Jonathan Iskar or Dan Mintz, these tiny, tiny bit of chore- piece of choreography with obviously the big when he rolls over the back of him and he catches the gun midair and uh, how many years for I, I don't know my math is crap but since not even in ni- 2015 versus 1991 we haven't go- gotten like jaded or desensitized to this stuff this stuff is still thrilling to see it is yeah just the, the tight space the way he uses it and moves around and, and the, it is and it is thrilling like you say for just you know a short way well, quite a a lengthy period of time, I suppose, on screen. But just for that that sequence alone, it's just worth it. It's it's the price of admission. It's the price of your DVD for for something like and doing you know Jackie what he what he does best, which is being inventive and such a tight space and clever, very very clever. Yeah, very much spot on. And uh, the theme of uh, using Western as well, as I talked of mm-hmm. in the first review, it actually extends to this one. I think, I can't think of any example now, but so let's just say and focus on this movie. Like, the Westerners that are very familiar faces to me because I watch these uh, IFD movies, um, n- not necessarily Godfrey Host movies because he'd left IFD at that point, but the likes of Jonathan Iskar, Bruce Fontaine, Kenneth Goodman, Wayne Archer, they were, bo- they were all familiar faces at uh, IFD. And they are being um put uh, in like this great position to look good you know they're well costumed they, they look distinctive as characters and to have distinctive jackie chan action scenes where doubling is not of the, the, the like the prime aspect of these sequences all of these guys like bruce fontaine and kenneth goodman in particular do very very well within uh, all of these various action scenes some of which run very long as well um jonathan Iskar and dan means they're not involved in the action as such they're more the comedic buffoons here but uh, uh you you you've seen jonathan Iskar in once upon a time in china but you also seen him as the lead in ifd's catman movies he's catman they're a superhero <laughs> so that's jonathan Iskar. I, I do like I do like the running theme with the, obviously the bumbling kind of Arabs, the Laurel and Hardy effect of those two. They pop up in, in various aspects of the movie, and it does it does break it up somewhat. And I I just I think it's great. I, I love those. He, he gave them a chance, dude. I mean, there's not it's yeah. not like this super disposable Western role. They're being given like a comedic yeah. comedic through line. Again, not the most politically correct roles here. <laughs> But then again, I'm not as offended by this versus like the depiction of homosexuals in Pantyhose Hero might make me look like a cr- hypocrite for not being as offended, but I'm, I'm simply I'm not. That, that doesn't mean I think it's truly okay either, but the, the big face acting and the big chin acting that Jonathan Iskar does as like the main uh, main out of that duo is is quite enjoyable to me and uh, to see them pop up every now and again is uh, it's fine it's not excruciating at all uh, but they were not tested comedic performance necessarily but it's uh, kind of inspiring that Jackie gave them a chance to uh, to lead uh, both comedically and some of them action wise too talking of dangerous stunts we won't like repeat that necessarily the details of the whole car chase scene through narrow alleyways but the most dangerous stunts in this movie is whether whether jackie did it or not 
is the whole when the the car chase bike car chase reaches the uh, warehouse with all the boxes, yeah. and and the car that jumps through the air inside the warehouse while Jackie's character I don't know if it's him or not Jackie yeah. the actor is on like the at the top of the roof and avoiding the car coming at him and we see it about three times in the movie that looks awfully dangerous if that would have gone wrong it's bye bye stuntman or Jackie yeah without a doubt yeah you know he's renowned for these scenes that like you say is he Jackie or, or not and those are the kind of action scenes you sit down and watch a, a Jackie Chan film for because you know you're going to get something special or something that make you go oh, you know gasp gasp at that it's just you know it looks it looks great on screen do you think it's uh, therefore is d- d- does it bother you that that is not fight action oriented uh, necessarily uh, un- until the ending or uh, again it's one of those films that you know I, I probably grew to love whereas you know I, I, I prefer more action orientated because you know that's what I'm into but I've grown up to admire the film more. The more times I watch it, the more I love the movie. Um, but probably the first time watching it, going, well, it wasn't quite as good. There wasn't enough action in it for me, you know, being an action junkie. But going back and repeat repeat viewings, I've appreciated the, the scale of it and the, the grandeur of it, etc. And I appreciate it as a movie, as a whole, as a whole movie. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see that being used to a certain content and flow of movies. Mm-hmm. That if something isn't there as it was before, then it's 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 possibly hard to adjust on on the go, I suppose. Uh, and uh, but that's where repeated viewings, if you're uh, interested enough in the movie, might help. And in your case, it uh, it certainly seemed to have helped. Talking of the women, though. Uh, it's they're not well used in this movie. I mean, they're they're window dressing, unfortunately. Carol Dodo Chang is. Uh, not here to like show her comedic persona. She's so much more funnier than this movie show. So watch her Fatal Ways, all those movies, The Top Bet, or any other movie from the early nineties and eighties. Uh, it's more of a role about her being naked and, and in her underwear all the time. I don't mind it, but it's such. It's like three or four jokes about it. Like we get it. She was in her underwear and her towel, and she don't want to get out of her towel because you'll see her, you'll see her boobs. Then, like, she's sold as a sex slave, the other women are as well, and they're there, just there for goofy purposes, and they all need to be saved by Jackie as well. Jackie, save us! I gotta tell you, it, it bothered me a little bit uh, that he kept at this, like, Jackie, save us! Jackie, save us! Like, once is enough, five times is Fred in a movie. Bad Jackie, bad Jackie. Well, you know, if you're gonna milk a joke, you might as well, you know, milk it to the max. <laughs> The whole like when he had when he uh, feeds them his uh, secret stash of water and they they fake like making out and he has to do it with three of the women and it looks like they're all into him like mm hmm mm hmm whose idea was this was it yours Jackie yeah. yeah I mean it, it's fine but I, I gotta tell you it it doesn't uh, it it reflects a little bit badly on the movie to be honest yeah I mean, you're never gonna get you're never gonna win any awards from it and stuff but I think um, the good uh, obviously far outweighs the bad. It does, it does, very much does. Yeah. So, uh, we, we might as well jump to a fi- the finale into German Underground Base because it runs for long. And I think, in my opinion, it can be edited down, but I think it's marvelous the way, the content that we're presented with here. So, any spontaneous notes where we're from the beginning of the finale or end of the finale? So, uh, because we're going we're gonna to talk some specifics there, regardless. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. Um, I had the pleasure, talking of the movie, to interview uh, Vincent Lin, um, who plays one of the, the the villains with the scarred face, uh, 
the interviews on uh, easternfilmfans.co.uk and he said the the final the wind tunnel fight took 39 days and there wow. were 12 14 hour days so many months or many weeks um to shoot obviously the other scenes etc so that's how long that wind tunnel fight sequence took 39 days and you can see it all on the screen there because it's one of the most inventive action sequences i've ever seen to be fair uh, it's just a brilliant piece of film to behold and and and, and that's like towards the end of it and there, there's tons of stuff earlier in that finale which is a big big build presumably on the golden harvest lot or any other big lot in hong kong it's so much here but it doesn't become too much for me because there's incredibly inventive skirmishes uh, between jackie and uh, the various uh, well maybe not nazis but certainly people who want the nazi gold at one point he rolls over them uh, and away from them on a pipe on this big like water pipe and what have you that's just one moment out of so many and at one point he accidentally like trips um, you know makes a bomb roll and everybody stops like oh my god and it rolls and rolls and then like ding against the wall it hits and everybody (sighs) starts again yeah (laughs) starts again and the big the 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 massive drums that he's fighting on top of which on the outtake you can see you know he almost uh, falls off um, the top and stuff is just like oh I oh god careful they they look uh, like they're high off the ground those drums yeah they look really really high off the ground you're like oh my god you know obviously the 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 chain sequence again there's another accident there and it's uh, there was an accident waiting to happen but it did I, it's there's just so much condensed into it it's it's like I say, it's a phenomenal sequence it's a playground sequence. it's a it's yeah, a, it's, it's a, a it's massive a build that they must they must have conceived this carefully because they needed to build this according to the ideas here like so there, there's some things where it crawls through the pipes and just a maybe dumb example but it really you you can't just build any old stuff and then make up the action as well as this you know it must no, have been it seems like you say that there's the swinging kind of pendulum um metal barriers that go up and down and stuff and they're fighting off those and like i say the, there's like set kind of sequences in it. It's like all meshes together quite nicely. But you know, if I'm not, yeah, where they where they filmed them, I don't know the sets they they filmed them on. But it just it must have been a crazy amount of money it cost them to to set all that up. Well, the the, the trailer makes it. Um, it wasn't a cra- it was a crazy expensive movie. This in a way, and it went mm. crazy over budget as well. And I think the trailer kind of proudly proclaims this cost ninety million Hong Kong dollars. And no movie made 90 million Hong Kong dollars at this time. I think it made about half of it or something like that. And mm. uh, hopefully they, Golden Harvest made their money back. But my God, was this expensive. It looks expensive and it's well utilized on screen. You believe this had a budget. Uh, you know, with the wind tunnel sequence, you know, being the chief among uh, concepts here, action concepts here. It's the comedy when using the wind tunnel is obviously so inspired when he uses it to his advantage when they figure out how to kind of steer it. So at one point, one goes another way, uh, he goes another way. So they obviously automatically are going to run into each other and all the wind blowing uh, blowing beside them. And uh, it's all good fun because you believe this build. Actually, it looks so big. It's not this uh, faked like green screen thing or like a shot shot on a smaller thing and then 
shot shot against rear projection to make it look big no it's there that massive fan with the swastika in the middle of it because why wouldn't you put a swastika in the middle of the fan well, <laughs> I suppose. exactly as you do as you do indeed he's got those moments in it as well where you've got um you know the comedic moment in the especially in the wind tunnel sequence where he obviously jumps up there decides he's going to kind of do a superman and he jumps up and then obviously the wind changes and stuff and he just falls down the floor and collapses and you're like, ah, ha, ha, you know, you're laughing at him and with him. And, you know, those moments again, those brilliant Jackie Chan moments that they just pop up again, much like, you know, Armour of God with the, the ash, you've got that moment there again and they just they pop up throughout the movie. It's very, uh, it's very clever. In, indeed, and it's still memorable. Like uh, Ken Lowe is present in this sequence, and at one point, Ken Lowe is uh, holding off a dear life against uh, kind of the cart that attached that's attached to a plane. And Jackie comes through there like Superman, and he pulls out his hand, and that hand, because of the uh, an arm, because of the wind, is gonna slap Ken Lowe right in the face, you know. And he, <laughs> you know, he's smiling there, hi, essentially, and then chum, <laughs> me- memorable stuff like that just makes this. Uh, for me like the movie has no downtime really it's so well paced mm. and uh, for me I, I never personally no, not that your angle was bad or anything but I never came at it uh, expecting it to be more of this and less of this and vice versa mm. just uh, for me an excellent adventure film that does some things incorrectly uh, in terms of the political correctness here and uh, but you, you do forget about it because it's so big and exhaustive, but not in a bad way at all. I, I think uh, this is uh, it's a very long film that flows very well, too. I mean, it's a 110-minute film or so. I could watch it on a loop. It's one of my absolute favorite like event, event pictures from Jackie Chan. Like, this is where it's at. It didn't get any bigger when he was directing. I mean, maybe Chinese Zodiac is on that level, but I personally had no interest watching it because I heard it's not very good. You shouldn't rely on critics, but... I wasn't very uh, interested after all was said and done to go after the uh, third Armor of God movie uh, that apparently is connected at least name-wise uh, to the character because the credits credit Jackie in Chinese Zodiac as Asian Hawk. That's worthless for the movie or uh, valuable for, for the movie. Maybe I'll find out one day, but I have no personal interest in, uh, in watching it. Yeah, we'll leave that through another day. Yes, we'll leave the opinions open. Please, please leave your opinions to Ken. Shall he watch... Or shall he not, Chinese Zodiac? Your views, please. Make him watch it, folks. Make him watch it. I, I dare you to try. Make me watch it. Yeah, make him watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a little Kickstarter going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where, where does the money go to? To who? To me? To me for suggesting it. No, back to back to Operation Condor. Like I say, a grander scale than, than I'm a gun. And it doesn't miss a beat, like you say. It, 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 it draws you in all the way through. There aren't really any... Much like Armor oh God, where you know the middle sequence, it kind of flags in between. It it, it bumps across quite nicely from sequence to sequence. I like to say on that on that grand scale, it's like one of his last greatest film on this level. But what a level! Because yeah, I mean, obviously, Drunken Master Two was a Return to Kung Fu, and it's one of his greatest movies ever. And he's done some excellent movies since then. But what some of my favorites are ones that are not reliant on action. I mean, one of my favorites of the last few years is Little Big Soldier. Not an action movie. No, nope. more of a more of a buddy on the run, uh, on the road kind of movie, uh, but uh, a period piece nonetheless. The the subsequent like uh, effects of Jackie going over budget was that Golden Harvest was someone 
kind of begged him to make smaller movies with other directors, please, because we're bleeding money here. <laughs> so it obviously led to a crime story, which was a great example of uh, him working with another director. Some conflicts with Kirk Wong, but uh, the film uh, doesn't suffer too much for, from it. Uh, City Hunter, obviously, uh, the big uh, Lunar New Year movie for Wong Jing, greatly enjoyable. Not an enjoyable working relationship, seemingly, because Wong Jing went and made high risk and made fun of Jackie the way Wong Jing only can. Because he's so immature, I'm going to make an entire movie, make it funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, you had Twin Dragons as well, which I think, uh, again, the final sequence was very inventive at the, at the car factory kind of thing and stuff. But like you say, you did, you did venture off then, unfortunately, into Hollywood circles and it kind of all fell away, didn't it? I mean, no, no, no one can keep it up, of course. But uh, no. in all honesty, I've not been, from late 90s and onwards, I've not been as interested, especially not in action, but I've been more interested in what the actor can do because the actor in Jackie Chan is a really, really good one. Watch Crime Story. And like, and then you watch New Police Story, I'm like, oh my God, what is this crap? What's going like, on? reel it in, dude. Like, and then Little Big Soldier shows you like, good, reeled in. This is affecting. That that made me cry, Little Big Soldier. Shinjuku incident is like, uh, I didn't think I saw Jackie Chan on screen when I saw Shinjuku incident. That was like a good performance in a mm. somewhat flawed film. So I'm interested in that stuff. People rightly are expecting action out of him. I don't blame him, but temper your expectations, people. You know, you're not going to get Dragons Forever and Operation Condor again because uh, the guy, the guy's old for heaven's sake. Yeah, yeah, the guy's old. But yeah, I did. Uh, I, I actually reviewed Crime Story quite recently on site because I'm doing a, <laughs> I'm doing the top ten Jackie Chan films. Um, I said that um, at the start of the year. It's now April, and I've only done number ten. It's a crime story. Um, so you'll have to find out what number nine is when I get around to uh, doing it. But yeah, I've got the top ten as voted for by the fans, by the way. So this is the fans' opinion. And at number ten was Crime Story. Funnily enough, you know he's made a hundred plus films. So I mean that's that's good going for Crime Story to make it at number ten. And um, it's a, one of those love-hate for people because, like I say, you either you love the fact that all of a sudden he's, he's playing it straight or you love the you know the kung fu comedy. So to make it to number 10, it's fair play to the fans. There's a lot of love out there for it. Indeed, very good. All right, let's uh, wrap this up with some availability. Uh, Fortune Star Remastered Film and has done both DVD and Blu-ray re- editions. Uh, as I said, it was packaged at one point together with the first movie. Well, well the availability varies a little bit. Uh, yeah, the Blu-ray, you, you can again make a safe bet that the Blu-ray from Hong Kong is not true high definition and only contains poor surround remixes for this mono film. It's a big movie, but they still did it in mono. But the DVD, although I can't confirm it because I have, do not own it, should contain a mono option as well and I think I saw the DVD in stock still of Operation Condor uh, the Hong Kong DVD Uh, as I mentioned before the original export dub was uncut but the movie was also acquired by Miramax and released theatrically in 1997 with a new dub that did feature Jackie doing his part a new score which is not a decision I can uh, I haven't heard it but I love Chris Babibas uh, Badidas Babidas score so I'm not sure how anyone can top that. Uh, it had about 15 minutes of edits as well. Again, might play well as an edit, but I, I'm not too keen on the fact that it has a new score. It is on US Blu-ray, but it reportedly that version is cropped from the original 235 aspect ratio to 1.77. And by all accounts, like judging by the cover and running time, it is the Miramax cut as well. So uh, Did you say that version was crap? Oh, cropped, sorry. Cropped, cropped, which is crap, because if you take out the scope of this movie, it's not going to look good. That's true. 
but yeah, the edit might be okay, but uh, I, I doubt the new mu- music is gonna do the movies any favor. So, uh, so, uh, but uh, do pick it up if you're interested in how it plays, the edit plays. There's no excuse to uh, not feature the full widescreen aspect ratio nowadays. But uh, there you are. Uh, okay, we're done. We have nothing new to announce. Obviously, we are going to uh, we we're going into planning mode. So next uh, podcast on fire, you can look for the announcement sometime on the Facebook group. We'll do some contact information and then sign off on this lovely Saturday. It's sunny outside. I'm gonna sit inside all day, regardless, <laughs> and edit podcasts. I'm going to sing Midnight Rider all day. Midnight Rider. Okay, I thought you weren't Team Tammy. Well, Midnight Rider. <laughs> it's Midnight Rider, dude. All right, yeah, but uh, this has been Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com, this show, and all our other shows on various countries, cinema in Asia, on that site. It's available on that site. We also have bonus episodes uh, for the website going up every now and again. We are reachable on email if you have any questions or feedback, and uh, if you have some good reasons why I should watch Chinese Zodiac, send them to podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Or over on Facebook, you can let us know as well and chat with us, uh, our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF Network. Our discussion group is reachable by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. Our Twitter handle is at Podcast on Fire. I review Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, Sleazy movies, and Ninja movies, essentially, on SoGoodReviews.com. And I video review at SleazyKVideo.com. And my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. Podcast on Fire is available on iTunes as well, and uh, thank you to everyone who has taken time to review us over there. But we would love to see some more reviews up there. So a star rating would make me happy. But just click and leave your opinion that way. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes as well, of course. And finally, if you don't want to download podcasts to your device, you have the option to stream us via Stitcher Radio. Both on the website, but also on the applications available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. And finally, your plug, fill your site where you have some top tens going on and some interviews going on. Yeah, yeah. So, recentfilmfans.co.uk. You can uh, find all the latest news and reviews, he says. And if he gets round, if I get round to finishing my top ten, at number ten is Crime Story. Look out soon. Who will be at number nine? Maybe that's a clue. Um, you can find, hopefully, your favourite in the top ten when I get round to uh, reviewing the rest of them. Um, but until that time, look out for me on Twitter and Facebook. And, um, yes, some up-and-coming articles coming soon. I think the problem is that you're stuck on Midnight Rider mode. Like, you you, 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 you can't snap out of it. Like, top ten, Midnight Rider, top ten, Midnight Rider. I'll go with Midnight Rider. <laughs> Brilliant. I can't. I'm going to have to go away and watch Chinese Zodiac just to get Midnight Rider out of my head. <laughs> Like, top ten Midnight Rider moments. Number ten, Midnight Rider. Number nine, Midnight Rider. Number eight, uh, the lyric in the, the lyric somewhere in Midnight Rider. It goes a little I bit can't like wait that. to find out what number one is. Midnight Rider. So there you are. But uh, we are done for this episode. The Armor of God themed uh, podcast on fire is done and dusted. So uh, I've been Kenny B. And with me was Phil G. So say bye, buddy. Bye-bye. <laughs>